Thanks for hitting that play button. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Felicia McLeod. And I'm Matt Sadler. And together we are unlearning. <laughs> the, the podcast for us. Super podcasters. Super podcasters. Welcome back to Unlearning, a podcast dedicated to all things you had to unlearn in order to become the better person you desire to be. Today's episode is about jobs and careers. Let's unlearn that. Yes. Those are things that happen to us, unfortunately, when we really don't want it. It's, I feel like it's like forced on us. We, we don't want to work. <laughs> We're all very lazy and we don't like it. We don't. No, I want to speak for everyone. No one likes their job. Not one person. I haven't met a person, and I've met nearly everybody on this planet, and not a person has ever told me they're enjoying themselves at work. <laughs> You've met almost everyone. Almost everybody, yeah, except for like you... Martha Stewart, but I just assume right. she did it. Well, she she can't like herself, that's for sure. <laughs> and that's just how life goes. How many languages do you speak that you've met almost all <laughs> 7 billion people? Luckily, um, Google has a Google Translate. So we oh, were I able see. to okay. communicate. It was a little bit slower because it took me time to like right. figure it out. But yeah. Right. And you and yeah, and you're there and you hit translate, you realize like this person said in Urdu, they said, I hate my job. Like, okay, that <laughs> makes sense. Tracks. <laughs> and some I just guesstimated, just off of vibes alone. I was like, Right. Their body language is letting me know they don't like the job. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you can tell just by body language. You want to get to our first segment, Unlearn This? Yes. So we're going to be reading some submissions from people who sent in things that they had to unlearn about the topic today. Today is about jobs and careers. And I had two um, from people from Reddit. The first one says, belief that construction workers are beneath you. And I grew up in Dubai, absolutely vile for human rights and abuse, especially with construction work. And now in Toronto, and construction workers can make a lot of money. I try my best to withhold judgments about people's careers and education. The second submission, that if you worked in a bank, you have made it, and that it was a respectable job. I work in a bank now, and my wage is shit, and my coworkers are downright shameless. I just want to quit so bad. That's really interesting to me. I personally never thought of necessarily like bankers as having made it, but it makes sense that that might be your perception because they handle so much money so you think if a a company is trusting them with all this cash that they are making a lot but they're they're really not making nearly enough for how much they do and how much they handle money which makes me wonder why aren't there more bank robberies inside jobs i mean on set it off kind of well she didn't really work at the bank but the guy that she was messing around with did and then they robbed it but other than that i haven't heard enough people that work at banks robbing banks this is a that's a tv show those aren't people that you know (laughs) i count only people that i know from tv shows are people that i know i don't know anybody in like real life okay okay because for a second there i was like i was like wait you know people oh wait no she's she's talking about it's a it's a movie yeah Yeah, this guy I once knew, John Dillinger, he robbed a bunch of banks in Chicago in the 20s. Good friend of mine. Good guy. Good guy. Bad decisions. Very bad decisions. I do think it's wild that we think um, jobs are beneath us or like the construction worker 
saying like a job like that is beneath us or like uh garbage men and stuff or sanitation workers you're like oh they're they're not as good as other people when you're like those are jobs too and those jobs get paid pretty well yeah i don't uh i I can't say i've ever been to dubai and uh so i don't know like the united arab emirates uh society (laughs) as well as as our society but i can say in america yeah there's definitely like this oh you know um manual labor is sometimes looked down on or there's like an assumption that uh, if you're educated, you get paid more to, 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 to do some sort of job with a computer or in an office. And if you're not as smart, then you have to work with your hands. And like, that's something that is lower on the totem pole, uh, somehow that is definitely the, the perception I feel like in our society. But I know a lot of people who, um, you know, have college degrees and, and work, work with their hands for a living and actually make a, a good living, um, construction work, you know, depending or, uh, paving driveways and all that kind of stuff can actually pay pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Uh, those people are, are not beneath you. Uh, especially because I feel like the people are like, Oh, someone's beneath me. Like that's someone on the internet who like work, like, let's be honest, that person works at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. If you think someone's beneath you, it's cause you work at Starbucks and you're judging people that work at Duncan. I'm kidding. And you're like, that's ridiculous. Well, I think it's crazy that we base um, people's value based off of how much money they make, too. When it's like the the most money I ever work made, I was just sitting at a desk and I probably did 40 minutes of work. And yeah. the least I ever been paid, I did the most backbreaking work I've ever did in my life. Yeah, we need to get rid of this idea that like how much money someone has or makes has anything to do with their work ethic. You know, they might be loosely correlated, but I mean, look, Eric Trump is not a hard worker and he's not smart. I don't Yikes. care. I am, I'm just going to say it. And he's a millionaire Somebody because his because he's because, you know, grandpa owned a lot of buildings in, in Brooklyn. Dad owns a lot of buildings in Manhattan. So he's rich. Like, but, the, you know, and he's like given a job. That's obviously an extreme example. But like there are people who are given a lot of a lot in life. And mm-hmm. it, it has nothing to do with hard work. Mm-hmm. And they look at other people and they're like, look at I, I got a million dollar loan. I worked hard and look at what I have. Why can't somebody else just work hard? And you're like, say that first thing you said again, you got a million dollar loan. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I remember reading this. Uh, it was like an example of basically like the idea of privilege is like if you're sitting in the front row of a classroom and there's a wastebasket at the front and the teacher gives everyone a crinkled up ball of paper and you're sitting in the front row and you take your crinkled up ball of paper and you shoot it into the basket and you make it. And you're like, look, I made it. And everyone in the back row, you know, they've got a harder shot. They miss. But the person in the back row, when you ask them, well, how come you made the shot? They don't say, oh, because I was given a better seat. They say, well, I was really accurate and I worked really hard to make this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's not as obvious that when you're sitting in the front row, it's not as obvious that people are sitting behind you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that, yeah, I think that there's, you know, sometimes just an assumption that if someone's makes less money than you, or and there's a lot of different examples, but uh, but for this for jobs and careers, yeah, it's generally like someone makes less money than you. There is kind of like this assumption that they're either lazy or they're just not as smart or not as good of a person. Yeah, we we kind of have equated wealth to keeping score Mm -hmm. 
one, it's like, that's just very disgusting and it's not accurate at all. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Howard Hughes was a bajillionaire and he died like alone going crazy and had no one around him. I'll, I'll take my tens of dollars over his millions. Thank you very much. <laughs> Why can't I just, I want to be in the middle of that. Like kind of crazy. <laughs> I don't want to be batshit. I don't want to be like insane and a billionaire. I just want to be like regular crazy and a millionaire. That's not asking for much. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to look in there uh, and see what I can do. We have another submission from Dana. Dana writes in, I started finally living for myself at 27 and getting closer to the life I actually wanted. I actually don't owe a company the sanity of my life. Working to exceed the expectations of corporate America is unattainable. The benchmark will continually be raised higher, and you can't expect a company to see your worth and compensate for you. All things I assumed for many years, which are completely untrue. I don't consistently have to spend year after year of my life thinking I'm paying my dues. That's from Dana. That's so true, because it's like you you feel like you can't leave work early or you always have to be there. Even if you're sick, you're like, I have to go to work still minus the times now, but, um, because you felt like they needed you or like you had to do a good job so you can move forward in the company thinking they would actually value you when they don't. Yeah. Uh, this actually kind of segues perfectly into our, our second segment unlearn that where we talk about our personal journeys of unlearning when it comes to jobs and careers because this really ties perfectly into what it's like to work in tv production uh for me Mm -hmm. uh there is definitely this sense of because a lot of people want to work in film and television there's this like sense of like you are lucky to be the low man on the totem pole and a lot of other people would kill for your job and there's a lot a lot of internships out here so like people are working for free for no money and you know you're lucky if you have a a minimum wage job because you're in this industry that you want to be a part of and to a certain extent that's true and um you want you know you want to work hard and work your way up and people do work their way up but it's it is not i see people burn themselves out and they think they're paying their dues and they end up working too hard and too many hours and lose too much sleep and don't have enough sanity and time for their family that they end up burning out and then they're completely out of it. And so they put in all this work to quote unquote move up the ladder. And by the time they're able to reap the benefits of that and move up a position, uh, they, they don't, they don't have the energy left. They've spent all their energy and they want to go somewhere else. They want to work in some other field. Um, and, and, and I know a lot of people who have moved out of LA who are living elsewhere in the country or are still living in LA, but they're doing something that has nothing to do with the entertainment industry uh, because it can burn you out pretty easily. And it's interesting because then it's like you, you think going to a different industry will be easier, but then you fall into that same thing, even if it's like hospitality or like restaurant or something um, you fall into that same category of being like, okay, and I always have to be present and I have to overwork myself and I have to be better than the next so I can move up in this career. And then you get burnt out again. So you're like, when do you, when do we have that correct balance of like work life and real life? So it's healthy in a way instead of, oh, I have to work 12 hours a day. I think that's just crazy. Yeah. I feel like I have 
several times kind of shifted careers and every time it feels like you have to start from the bottom and you have to prove yourself. And I think that there's nothing wrong with working hard. And it's one of those weird things where it's like, like the wrong people take the wrong advice. A lot of times I feel like with careers, like you tell someone, oh, you need to work hard. And the hard worker hears that and then works too hard. And the lazy person who doesn't really want to work that hard, they don't care and they're not going to work hard anyway. You know what I mean? So the message gets lost on them. But I went to a school that had um, a lot of really hardworking people. It was it was a good school, but like we were mostly known for our extracurriculars. And I remember we had a speaker come in and um, who was like working in the, the film industry. And he said something to the extent of like, you can sleep when you're dead. Uh, which, yeah, yeah, you sleep when you're dead, which was like a perfectly common thing that you would have heard at my school. Like people worked constantly, you know, like classes got in the way of how many extracurriculars you were doing, you know, that was just what you were focused on. And yeah, people didn't sleep a whole lot. And that was just the expectation that everyone had for each other. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I had my college experience, but like, it's a good thing it's only four years because I would have burnt out of that too had I kept going forever. Um, You do need to sleep. Mm -hmm. Here's the real, the real truth. Sleeping is important. Uh, you, you, you can sleep when you're dead, but you're going to die sooner if you don't sleep while you're alive. Yes. You work hard when you are there during the appropriate work times. And then when it's time to sleep, you sleep hard. (laughs) Anyway, my point was that would, that would be sleep when you're dead is maybe good advice to someone who isn't working hard enough already. But I feel like too often we have like these young, eager people just out of college who are ready to work really, really hard. And then they're told they need to work even harder, uh, and, and at some point, you are going to need to sleep. You're going to need to have time for some sort of personal life to see your friends and family. Um, otherwise, what are you working towards? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you and working I think you're for? Also wrapped up in, they're so wrapped up in that world, too, where everyone's doing the either working hard or not working at all. So everyone's on them being like, I need to work harder. I need to do this. It's not until you step away. Like, I feel like ever since we've been in quarantine that's when a lot of people have had a chance to step away from whatever it was that was clouding their minds or like that they weren't paying attention to when people are starting to realize that it's like I need to take care of myself I need to rest I need to have time for doing such and such thing that gives me energy instead of like constantly working like I've been working since I was 15 and this is the first time I've never had a job And I'm like, I've had two jobs before. And I was like, what was I working so hard for? Because those companies aren't like reaching out to me now. And now you're doing the hardest job you've ever had to do, which is have a conversation with me for an hour. (laughs) And for free, you know, I'm interning here. Look at you. You're (laughs) suffering through this for no wages. (laughs) No, this is probably my favorite job. Oh, that's very, that's my favorite job too. Oh, and I've had like 75 jobs. I will say I've had jobs that I enjoyed and uh, it's not always necessarily a culture of you have to work too, too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying you can get caught into those jobs and it's, and, you know, can be an unhealthy environment and you need to be able to recognize that. But there are, there are plenty of jobs out there that I think people, um, you know, people either like their jobs or there are people who find a job that they may not love, but the hours work for them or whatever. Um mm-hmm. So that exists. I'm, I'm, I think we're talking specifically about 
kind of more toxic uh, environments that you need to be aware of. Because mm-hmm. it's such a thin line, too, because you think you don't want to question or push back because you don't want to get in trouble or not advance or the idea of what you think advancing is at a career. Um, yeah, you've had, you said you had 15 jobs or so? <laughs> I had a job since I was 15. Yeah, I used to work at a nursing home, a hotel. I think the hotel, I spent a lot of time missing shows or missing opportunities because I was like, but they need me and I need to make sure that I'm present. Yes, I remember that. I remember when you worked at the hotel, we would constantly talk about you behind your back. Where's Felicia? (laughs) Why is she working again? And I'd be like, because they need me when really it's like they don't. They need a body. They need somebody there to check people in or to like do things that they don't want to do, but they don't truly need me. And what was I working so hard for? It's not like I wanted to be the GM of a hotel. So to be clear, you're no longer at the hotel. You're not the CEO of the hotel company. And they did not go bust when you left. (laughs) They did not. They actually ran a little smoother, I believe. (laughs) No, but I get what you mean. I get that. I do get that pressure that you kind of uh, put on yourself consciously or subconsciously that like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm needed to do this. And you should you should do your job and and do the work, but Mm -hmm. you don't need to necessarily hold the weight of the world on your shoulders while you're doing it. Mm hmm. And I'm trying to figure out or unpack, like, why I thought I had to. Why I thought I had to always be there or to always hold the weight instead of just being like, okay, that's not for me. That's not mine. And let it go. Now, you said you, you uh, I don't remember exactly how many you said, but you said you've had a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. List them all, please, so that we know that you're not lying. Delicious. Okay. <laughs> first job, I worked at a nursing home. Shout out Mosquito Regency. And then I worked for this place called KCG Accounting. Um, KCG Account. It sounds like a radio station, but then you went with accounting. <laughs> it was an accounting office. And then I worked for American TV. And then I worked for Skechers. And then I worked for another. Wait, you worked for Skechers like in a store or mm-hmm. in corporate? Downtown Chicago. Um, I was there when they first came out with Shape Ups and we had to wear the Shape Ups and they said they wanted us to be cute while we wore it, so we had to wear leggings. So we'd be in leggings and those big, like, boat shoes. Sounds cute to me. But also, like, my calves did come in. So, like, I, I do commend shape-ups, but I would not recommend Skechers because that was a nightmare. By the way, they're sponsoring this podcast, so maybe stop <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> Thank you for the sponsorship. No, I know uh, retail is, is never, uh, well, maybe not never, but rarely is retail a, a, a job that people love. It's it's rough. Yeah, I haven't heard of. I I liked the moments because you like your coworkers, um, and you feel like you can control your hours because you work in the afternoon instead of in the morning. But really, it's just like not good. Um, Did you get any free sneakers out of the deal? Did you get to take them home? Mm-hmm. If Excuse they were me. like coming out with like a new brand, they would give us all so we could like wear it in the store, and then they'd be like, "Well, I guess these are yours since you've been wearing them." Yeah, that would suck if you had to wear them in the store to, like, advertise them. And then at the end of the day, they're like, all right, give us them back. Yeah, and everyone, shove your foot in the same shoe. They probably would try. If all of us would have been, like, around the same size, they probably would have done that. Oh, yeah, good point. All right, yeah, that's right. There are different sizes of shoes. Good point. <laughs> I used to work at a shipping company. Um, that was interesting because I didn't realize, like, the shipping world of, like, sending stuff importing or exporting out of the u.s or into the u.s 
and like all the restrictions that were there. So that was mm-hmm. interesting, but it was also like all the way in Rosemont. So it would take me an hour and a half to get to work. And then I would be like, well, I have to stay late. So my whole day would be there. And then I would try and like rush back so we could go to conservatory at Second City. Oh, this and is when we were in like, conservatory together. Mm-hmm. And then I quit and then I started working at the hotel. Right. I remember when you were working at the hotel and what, so what came after the hotel? Cause I'm not, you made it sound like there were like 20 and right now we're only at like, what, like eight or nine. <laughs> oh, and then I, uh, well, I worked at Chili's for, I think three months. Did you really? Um, the, one that. That, <laughs> the one that was at O'Hare. Uh, but then when I started working at. The Wait, like in the was, airport? Mm-hmm. So you had to go into the airport every day? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'm I'm so glad this came up because I've always wondered: <laughs> Do you have to go through security to like go work to work? You have to go through when you first get the job. You have to go through a lot of like training and stuff for security, but not as extensive as if I was working with the TSA. And right. then you have to like get the whole background check stuff, and then they give you uh, something like a fast pass, <laughs> so you can just like go straight through security and be like, okay, I work here. Oh, okay. So you enter through like the regular security gate, but you don't wait in line and you just like walk through basically mm-hmm. because you've already cleared a thing. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I wasn't sure if there was like some sort of secret entrance way that the rest of us don't know about or something. <laughs> Series of tunnels. They have like secret offices, but not like secret like entrance to get into the, ho- the hotel, to get into the airport. I was imagining that in the back of the chilies, like you, you go into the into the kitchen, there was like a manhole cover, and underneath that, you w- <laughs> there was a series of tunnels, a secret entranceway. But I guess it's less cool than that. Well, there's like little slides you can slide out, but then it's just like hard to get back into work because you got to like crawl up that slide. <laughs> <laughs> Sliding out is not the problem. Like... It's that there's no way up the slide. <laughs> really, we did not think this through. All right. I didn't think it through. All right. I'm very sorry I interrupted you, but it was only because I got really excited about finding out <laughs> what it's like to work in the airport. So please continue. And then I worked at a yacht club. I worked at, this is a while before I came to Chicago, I worked at this um, place called John Robert Powers where they like train your kids to be a Disney star or whatever, and then like they go what? through auditions. Uh, so at first I signed up for classes, and then... Um, Wait, you signed up to be a Disney star? No, I signed up to uh, to be in like the back who would like cold call people. A nightmare. And I worked at like another call center downtown too. But Um, it was a call center to find Disney people? I'm confused. It's a call center to call people and just be like, hey, are you interested in having your kid come in and audition for such and such? And then they'd be like, yeah. And then they come and audition and then they wouldn't make it. And they'd be like, well, they have classes. And then people would sign up for the classes. So this was some sort of a uh, scam. You worked for a scam. <laughs> <laughs> Not long. I did, though. Yeah. But if it wasn't for there, I wouldn't have found out about Second City and came to Chicago. Oh, that's how you found out about Second City was that job. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was going through the classes, my teacher was like, you should take classes here. And I was like, OK, yeah. And then came came to Chicago. So were you in Milwaukee at the time? And you so because you grew up in the suburbs of Milwaukee. Then you lived, and then you lived in Milwaukee for a little while before Chicago. Or no, I was born in Milwaukee, and then we moved to the suburbs to Muskego, and then Mm -hmm. um, I would just like 
commute or whatever. And you were still living at home, commuting in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were like, I live at home with my parents. I work in a call center. <laughs> I, I got to get the hell out of here and get to Second City. <laughs> I got to find a way. So then sometimes I you need that, you know, like. I like to think about that every now and then like I'm like oh man I hate my life and then I think like there have been other times in my life that's like would I rather be in that spot or this spot and you can always think no matter what you're not working in a call center and commuting from home (laughs) not that that's a bad you know I'm sure you got to see your parents more often so you but but we appreciate that you moved to Chicago we love you but still (laughs) I appreciate it plus I think any call center job I truly feel for anybody that works in call centers because it is it was an absolute nightmare for me yeah i hear stories i've never worked in a a call center but i've heard some horror stories i feel like the jobs that generally i hear a lot of bad things about are call centers uh retail and uh kind of bar restaurant atmospheres now i worked Mm -hmm. uh i worked in a bar and i've worked in in theaters like in you know guest relation kind of thing uh and I personally have had pretty good experiences. I understand that it can be very frustrating for people. And every now and then I had some bad customers or whatever. But for the most part, I can't really complain about my experiences working in, in restaurants and theaters. Because I'm so likable that the people just never had any complaints. <laughs> They're just like, I'm not going to give this guy a hard time. I like his vibe. <laughs> you know, I came in here looking for a fight. But this Matt Sadler fella, just delightful. I think people look at my face and they're like, I'm going to try her. I think she <laughs> wants to be fucked with and I'm going to do it. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're, you're very, you're a, a super nice person. And some people are just like, you know, I, I, I'm going to, she's not going to yell at me no matter what I do. They can see that. <laughs> I'm going to completely wreck her. There's this one lady who, um, when I was working at the hotel was so horrible to me my body started to physically shake and I didn't know how to handle it and then later she went up to my manager and was like uh the girl who was shaking out here just tell her I apologize I was just worked up about something else and I was so fucking pissed I was like you shouldn't have been a bitch in the first place that's that is tough but it's also like I guess a friendly reminder that a lot of times it it doesn't have to do with you it's other people bringing their own crap that's true that's something I had to unlearn is like not to take things personally, especially if you're working in customer service or something, because a lot of the times it's not about you. It's about some, something else they're going through. I'm glad it only took us about a half hour before one of us said the phrase unlearn. <laughs> I think we had to find it, you know? We were, yeah, this, this podcast just turned into us bitching about our jobs. <laughs> like half, half hour and you're like, and I'm going to tie it back into unlearning. You're welcome. <laughs> that was the Thank drop you the mic. in for 16 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that was the drop the mic moment right there. No, um, but it's true. Know, that is something you, that you have to unlearn when you work in customer service is that it is almost never about you. Mm-hmm. But that's still hard. It's still hard to uh, let things just roll off your back because you're human too. So you're going through your own full range of emotions and then you have someone who approaches you incorrect and you're like, okay, you're not going to talk to me like this. What jobs did you feel like you had to unlearn or something in careers? I will say that, that uh, yeah, that, that, that's a big one working with uh, the, the public, if it were, 
is learning and learning that you that it's not always about you. And sometimes I would take that home with me anyway. People always say like the great thing about working in a restaurant is like you don't have to take your work home with you when your shift's over. Your shift's over, and I'm like, uh, when Yikes. when some lady was mean to me and yelled at me that I didn't do my job right, <laughs> I took that home with me. That I may not be getting any work done, but I took my job home with me. Um, I would say I so I so I work in television production, and I am a production assistant which is kind of uh, the low man on the totem pole. And it's a job that, generally speaking, it's young people in their early to mid-20s, sometimes late 20s, but I am now 31. By the way, can you believe that? Look how young I am. First of all, okay, if everybody could see his skin so young. (laughs) For all those of you, for everyone listening to this podcast, know that my face looks really young. You know why? Because I sleep. I didn't wait till I died to sleep. Sleep is cool. key. Um, but in, in, in all seriousness, it's a, uh, I, I, so I had that job when I was in my 20s. And the problem is I moved between LA and Chicago and I switched careers a couple times. And like, so I was a production assistant uh, on a show like six years ago in LA on a couple shows. Then I moved, so I was in Chicago, then I was in LA. Then I moved back to Chicago. And then I moved back Chicago. to LA. I do. I love Chicago. It's well because I want to work in TV, and the TV industry is in LA. But I love Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it has great pizza and Felicia. What more could you want oh. from a city? <laughs> uh, and the Sox. And yes, two baseball teams. They have two <laughs> baseball teams. So it's it's been hard, kind of figuring out what path I want to take. So like this idea that we were talking about earlier about paying your dues. I feel like that's all I've been doing because then once I pay a certain amount of dues and it like just when it would pay off, I, I'm like, I don't know if this is the right path and I start over. And <laughs> and I definitely it's tough because sometimes I, I regret I regret it and I, I replay certain decisions way too much, which is um a fool's errand because I, I can't I can't relitigate the past, you know. Um I can learn from these decisions and maybe stop moving between LA and Chicago every few months. Um, <laughs> but I can't go back and, and have moved fewer times or moved at a different time or to a different place. Um, it is what it is. And I find myself where I am now. And, and I actually really like the gig that I have. Um, and it's production assistant jobs can be, they can be like 12 hour jobs where you're on your feet all day. You're working your ass off and you like you're and you feel like, Oh my God, I'm paying my dues. And this is, but this is never going to end. This is just painful. And I'm actually right now at a really good gig. It's the kind of show that, that you get on when you've worked on other shows and people know you, people trust you. Um, Cause there are bigger shows. There are bigger shows that are like, like the mass singer is a good example of a show that would have a lot of production assistance. You know, these bigger kind of American idol type, um, shows and then the this kind of smaller shows that are uh, more like daily and weekly shows that just kind of instead of setting up a big stage shooting 10 episodes and then tearing it all down it's more of a daily routine so that's the kind of show I'm at now and I like my coworkers. I like what I do and I don't feel like I'm this uh, low man on the totem pole expected to work the hardest because I'm the low person mm-hmm. If anything, I'm appreciated as the person who's, you know, they expect me to work hard and I do work hard. And that, and I think that's very much appreciated by everyone there. 
Um, so I'm in a good job, but generally speaking, no, it's not the kind of job that you envision having uh, till you're 31. But I think having gone through enough experiences in the production world, you know, I'm able to enjoy it and do the, do the job well while not overworking myself. Uh, I think too many people get into production and Mm -hmm. they don't put in the work or they put in too much work and burn themselves out. And, and I found a rhythm where I can work hard, be appreciated for it, but also not burn myself out. And it took a while to get there. It takes time. I do wonder, though, where the line is with um, also age too. how we feel like um, we should be in certain positions at an age. It's like and I should be past this job at a certain age. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the line between things that we have to unlearn with that or where it's reality? And it's like, yeah, at this age, I should be doing such and such. Right. You're saying I should get rid of my paper route is what you're saying. <laughs> That was a joke. That what was a joke. Because uh, I, I don't actually know but where that. If you're on seventy four. No, I don't actually know where that comes from. Because like I feel like in TV, it's like little kids on their tricycles are delivering the paper. When I grew up in the suburbs of Boston, people like the, there was a man in a truck who delivered our Boston Globe. So it's that's a perfectly reasonable adult job. I think I was just making the joke. I yeah, it's it's a tough thing that I've had to think about. Like the right because ageism, I think, does play a role in LA and in the film and television industry. Uh, I'm sure that it does in other industries. I'm not saying it's not pervasive elsewhere. I'm just saying from experience, I know this. And while on the surface, like film and television is doing a lot to diversify in terms of like uh, different genders and races and people from all over the world getting their voices heard. uh, Ageism is still kind of an issue here. And, you know, you're starting to see a few more shows that have middle-aged women as the lead role. Um, but it's also, it's not just on camera, it's off camera as well. I've, I've you know, heard different people basically, um, there's, after you hit a certain age, like there's just certain jobs that they won't get hired for. And I, I you know, I won't name any specifics because I actually don't know a lot of specifics. It's just kind of things that you hear. <laughs> Um, and I do worry about that. I do kind of sometimes think about that, that, that there is sort of a, um, you have to make it or do whatever you want to do by a certain point, or they're going to look to someone younger. Now, again, that might be changing. And, uh, and so hopefully Mm -hmm. that's not something I ever have to deal with, but I do think that there are people who have victims of ageism and I would like to, to find someone to, to talk to them about on another episode of this show because ageism mm-hmm. is definitely something we should cover at some point ageism. yeah but that's not this episode this has been the jobs and careers episode <laughs> <laughs> this episode just to remind you all is jobs and careers if i forgot um yeah the, I would the podcast is unlearning um, we are unlearning things <laughs> when i when it comes to unlearning with jobs and career i also think that it's just like um it's another thing in the back of my mind with like me trying to figure out what I want my end career goal to be um being like well I'm 34 now so I just think it I don't want to hold myself back from doing a career because I think I'm too old already or I've aged out of it so I'm trying to like unlearn that where it's like there's no certain age for writing like 
good writing is good writing. They're not going to look at my paper and like my script and be like, she's old, you know, (laughs) my references. (laughs) Then they'll be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine someone was like handed the script for the Godfather and they're like, yeah, but how old was the person who wrote this? (laughs) (laughs) We got to get it younger. Yeah. So what do you, do you, what are your, because I think it's important to have goals and long-term goals are great, but maybe more uh, hypothetical. And do you have any short-term goals that you, that you feel like you can really move towards? It's kind of a tough time, obviously, with the, the pandemic. That's true. I, think, I feel like I have like a three-year goal short-term would be to get into a writer's room, a comedy writer's room. And I think that that could be something that's done. Because even if you're just, like, in the room, being an assistant, like, until I can, like, work my way up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till season three of this podcast where we're like, we're in a writer's room together, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> we I made would, it. It would just be me bawling. We, <laughs> we don't it. have to unlearn anything anymore. We made it. <laughs> no, we can fixed. change the name of the podcast to We Learned It. We yeah. Learned. <laughs> Welcome back to Learned, the podcast about how we crushed it. And they just hear us, like, just list off accomplishments. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, this season is just one episode long. (laughs) Uh, Let's, there you go. That's my new goal, is to have a season of this show where we we talk about accomplishments. What about Uh, you? Do you have a... your three-year I would say or... my my goal is very similar I think that that's a reasonable yeah I want to push towards yeah doing more writing and, and getting some sort of writing gig and I feel like I put so much focus on work like doing jobs so it's weird because you can do jobs working on a tv show but then it's just distracting you away from becoming a writer and you're like oh but I'm working in tv so I'm working towards my goal but mm. You're not working like I work on unscripted shows, you know, game shows mostly. Mm-hmm. So it's not as though I'm going to work my way up to writer of the game show. I mean, there are writers who and producers of game shows that come up with premises for games and stuff, but that's not really what I want to do. And mm-hmm. so it is kind of tough. You're like, okay, I need to work hard at my job, which is in the same industry, but it's not like directly going to lead to what I want to do. So I think I, I, my goal moving forward get the right balance of working and, and putting in my hours at, at my job to, to make a living, but also finding the time to put myself out there in, in ways that can help me reach my goal of being a writer. And there's, uh, there are different avenues in LA that, that I have not explored yet. And I, you know, it's, it's tough to kind of break in. And then if you, mm-hmm. once you break in, I feel like there's a lot of shows out there now. Mm-hmm. So it may seem like, oh, well, there's like a million shows on Netflix and they all have 10 writers. So like it should be easy. But it's about <laughs> it's about meeting someone and, and meeting the right person, working on the right show, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's just different ways to make yourself available and visible. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. That, that made me think of two things because I um... – I, there was a time where I said I wanted to do stand-up, so I started working at the box office at Laugh Factory. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, but I'm in the building, so at least I'm doing this. When it's like, yeah. 
but you're you're in the box office. I do yeah. that. Um, so I've done that a lot where I have been like um, filling my time with things, making myself feel like I was working towards something. So I was like doing a million shows and I'm like, well, that feels like I'm like writing when really it was like I was just doing improv. I wasn't actually sitting down and like taking my time in writing. Right. So it's like that's having to unlearn being busy with actually working towards goals. Yeah. Yes. I like the way you put that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a janitor, but I'm a janitor at the White House. So and one day I want to be president. It's like, well, maybe maybe that's not the direct connection that you want to be making. <laughs> but you think just being in proximity of it. Right. Like you know, you do. You kind of convince yourself, well, I'm working in the right building. Yeah, but you're not in the right line of, mm-hmm. of work. Yeah. So trying to figure out how to position yourself to move forward to the new goals that we have or the goals that we have set forth. Yeah. Did you just scat? What, what happened? <laughs> I was trying to say move forward to the goals you have set, but my lips would not do it. Okay. They were just like, no. <laughs> That's probably a good place to end then. <laughs> We've reached the part of the podcast where Felicia can no longer form words. <laughs> So we're going to take a break. I'll just be scatting. We'll take a break for uh, Skechers commercial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We angered the sponsor. How could we? We have to do what we have to do. All right. So that brings us to our final segment, How's Your Journey? Mm. Uh, this is the segment where we find out how far we are on a journey of unlearning. This week, obviously, it's unlearning about jobs and careers, a scale of one to 10, one being you haven't even started your journey, 10 being you've arrived. Uh, I, I read the intro to this section so that I could toss it to you and make you pick a number first. <laughs> Delicious plan. Because, um, because I don't, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. So you go ahead. I feel like, on learning for jobs and careers, I feel like I am at a seven, seven and a half, because um, I've realized that I've unlearned that I can actually do this career. Like I used to think that there's no way I could write when it's like I can write and it, I just have to work on creating and uh, getting myself in a space where I can network and meet the right people. Um so I've unlearned the barriers I put up for myself and also um, where I'm going to spend my time towards. I'm not going to be busting my ass at a company that isn't going to be what my career goal is. I'm going to be busting my ass to take care of myself and to work towards what I want my career to be. So I feel like I'm at like a seven and a half. Wow. Good for you. All right. That's the end of the show. <laughs> Where do you think you are? If I'm, if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm like at a four. Why do you feel like you're at a four? I feel like every time I learn something when it comes to jobs and careers, mm-hmm. I find out that there's like a whole nother area that I haven't started to learn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, okay, I just made it through another door and I walk into the room and there are three new doors (laughs) in the room. And I'm like, there's so much more to learn here. Um, I do think, you know, I've, I've had to make progress in terms of going back to the beginning where we were talking about the idea of like careers being under you or certain jobs being under you. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to 
uh, unlearn that. Um, I've, I've had to kind of unlearn this idea that like the thing we were talking about with age that, oh, you don't want to have this job beyond a certain age or whatever, that it's, mm-hmm. it's okay to be going at your own pace. But I, I feel like I'm just so far from a lot of my goals that I, I still have a lot of learning to be done. Maybe, maybe more like a five, somewhere like around halfway there. But I feel like I, I still have a long way to go. Because you, I don't want to say you're wrong because your feelings are valid. Um, but you're wrong. No, <laughs> but I'm. <laughs> but I feel like because uh, sometimes when you're in it, you don't realize the motion you're doing it. Because if you weren't setting yourself, if you weren't in the position you are now, you would be just learning these things so like you're you're on that journey not realizing how far you're traveling and then there's going to be a day where you look back and you're like look at all the things that I've done to know what I know now to be prepared for whatever career I'm going to have so I feel like you're further than you think you are but there you have these high goals that you want to reach that you're just like feeling drown you're drowning in it when really it's like you're further on the journey than you think you are Thank you. I just, I just unlearned how far I thought I was. <laughs> That's really all the podcast is, is to make it, us feel better about on things that we had to unlearn that we thought we were unlearning by ourselves. Well, I feel, I do. I genuinely, I'm walking away from this one feeling a little better. Yay, me too. And I hope uh, one, at least one listener is walking away feeling better. <laughs> if, if one person wrote and said that they feel better... That would be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, please email us. What is the email address again? It's unlearningapodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, if, if this or any episode made you feel better, email us, let us know. If it made you feel worse, I guess please you don't can reach email. out. Please. <laughs> no, your feelings are valid too. But don't just be like, you made me feel bad. Tell us why. So we can so unearth we can and we be can better. Un- yeah. Yes. We're about growth on this That's show. True. We want to thank uh, everyone who, who submitted their answers for for this episode. And uh, we'll, we'll be sending out feelers in future episodes. Uh, we want to hear about your opinions on different topics. So, again, uh, you can email us unlearning a, unlearning a pod or a podcast. Unlearning a podcast. Unlearning a podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at unlearning underscore cast and on Instagram unlearning underscore podcast. We're also part of the Trident Network, which you can check out at thetridentnetwork.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for hitting, hitting that, that play button. <laughs> <laughs> we need an outro. We need to figure that out. We need to, we need to, we, that's something we're unlearning is how to end the podcast. Next podcast will be stronger. You know what I mean? Thank you so much for tuning into Unlearning. Please feel free to share your stories with us at unlearningapodcast at gmail.com. This is a reminder that you are not alone on your journey to 